Welcome to the Bradleyville Church of Christ podcast. We are a family of believers striving to be the first century church in the 21st century. We are located at 25861 State Highway 76 in Bradleyville, Missouri. Please join us for Bible study Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. with worship to follow at 10.30 a.m. Wednesday night Bible study is at 7 p.m. Now enjoy our lesson. Today is the 4th of July, right? We call this Independence Day. Which of... What aspect of our life in the United States do you value the most? What is it about living here that you value the most? Sometimes we take things for granted, right? We, th- we take for granted the blessings that we have in this, in this country and the fact that those blessings come from God. 246 years ago, today... There were 56 men who gathered representing 13 United States, 13 colonies that pledged themselves together. Basically, they're not just their livelihood, but their lives together to declare their independence from England, from Great Britain. And in that document, they made some very profound and very bold statements. They talked about the idea of the laws of nature and of nature's God. They talked about the the principles of of this creator of the universe. And and one of the things that they said was that the creator of the universe had endowed them with certain unalienable rights. Now that may seem a little bit strange to you because today we would use the phrase inalienable. We would put an I there. But at that time, that's the way they pronounced it, unalienable rights. And that's how it's written into the Declaration of Independence. And they said particularly that the Creator had endowed them with certain inalienable. We don't necessarily probably use that word a lot, but it means you cannot give it away. It can't be transferred. It is yours by right, and you don't even have the right to give it away. What were those three? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? What does that mean? What does that mean today to us? And are those rights unalienable? That's important for us to think about in the culture that we live in today, but it's also important to think about it just in, in, the, in the whole scheme of, of the world and of mankind. And so today, we want to ask the question, what has God endowed us with? And are they inalienable? Now, you might hear me throughout this this lesson say inalienable and unalienable I still struggle with that but that's we're talking about the same thing are they non-transferable and can they not be revoked that's what I want us to wrestle with today and so to get a picture of this we're actually going to go all the way back to the beginning actually that's my introductory slide has God endowed us with with these rights that are inalienable so let's go all the way back to the beginning open your Bibles up to Genesis And I want to go back and look at what God blessed mankind with. Because what's interesting when we think about when we think about rights, we think about things that are endowed to us that, again, we can't transfer, but they can't be taken away from us. But the founding fathers, they recognized that these were given to us by God. And one of the things we want to think about is. Uh, are they rights before God? Do we have a right to demand these things from God? 
And if so, what is the grounds on which we would demand those? So you go all the way back to the beginning, and you think about what God did in creation. Genesis 1 describes the creation scene, right? On day 1, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Day 2, day 2, God made clouds and skies so blue, and you can sing all the way through that song. You get down to the 6th day, and on the 6th day, God made animals, and he made man. Now you jump over to chapter 2, and you look at verse 7, and you see that God made man... God brought him to life. Look at chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground. So God created man, right? He made the, the, the body of man. But you notice what's not there yet. Life's not there yet. God has not done something to endow life. What was one of the inalienable rights that the founding fathers said could not be taken or given away, right? Life. Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Until God did something. Notice what verse 7 says. And God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So the first thing we notice is God endowed man with life. Life comes from God. It is a blessing that comes from God. So yes, the Creator did give life. The founding fathers were accurate in saying that these came, this came, life comes from God. You know, that's a struggle with people today. There are a lot of people who believe that life came from nothing. That somehow the law of biogenesis was violated at some point in time and that we are descendants from rocks. But our country was founded on the principle that God created life, that God gave life to mankind. And we see that in Genesis chapter 1 too. We also see, you back up to Genesis 1, and you see that God gave us certain, um, certain characteristics. Look at verse 27 of chapter 1. So God, uh, let's back up to verse 26. Let us make man in our image, God said, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God made, God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And so we understand that of all creation, you were created in the image of God. Mankind was created in the image of God. What does that mean? Well, we know that we have a spirit, right? We have a, we have a spirit. We also have a soul that's going to live on into eternity. We have uh, the ability to know ourselves, right? We have an ego. We have the ability to, to, to be self-aware. But in particular, one of the aspects of creation that God created us in his image was the ability to choose. He, get, he created within us a free will so that we can choose up from down, right from left, Good from evil, right? God made us in his image. What is that? God gave us the liberty to choose. We weren't created as automatons that just did what God programmed us to do. We have the ability to choose. And so God gave us life and he gave us liberty. And the founding fathers were accurate. They were correct in attributing that to God. But then we go on down to verse 28, and we read this already. God, uh, no, we didn't. Actually, we read verse 27. Verse 28, then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. 
And God said, See, I've given you every herb that yields seed, which is in the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, you shall have it for food. God gives them, God gives mankind the ability then to pursue things that would bring about his happiness. Food, the, the, the dominion over God, God actually gives them a, a priestly and a kingly responsibility here over the creation. And he says, I want you to pursue this. I want you to, to do this, that, to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it. And so in a nutshell here in creation, what you see is God endowing mankind, God blessing mankind with life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, to, just to nail this down so we don't miss this, you jump back over to chapter 2 then, and you remember in chapter 2, God creates a garden. We call it the Garden of Eden. And God puts in that garden certain things that would bring about man's happiness. Verse 8 of chapter 2. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Good for, good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden. <clears throat> and you see there that God puts in place a scenario in which man can have life, he can have liberty, he can have the pursuit of happiness. And in essence what we see here, God blesses man with perfection. God puts man in a situation where he has he is he is set up to succeed. And God blesses man with that. That's a blessing that comes from God. Now we'll pause for just a second and say, what right does man have to demand that from God? What right do you and I have to demand that from God? That's a blessing that comes from God. But God did that. You know why he did that? Because he loved man. Because he loved his creation and he wanted to have a relationship with man. He wanted to put man in a situation where mankind could have a full, meaningful relationship with his creator. You jump over to chapter 3 and you see a small picture of what, I, what looks like God, the relationship that God had with man. When the Bible says that God came into the garden, walking in the garden in the cool of the Eve. Why did he do that? Because it was enjoyable to him to do that with his creation. And we see that not only did God not only did God bless them with that, but he 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 wanted them to maintain that. He wanted them to stay in that relationship. But these life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, perfection were not the only blessings that God gave mankind. Can you think of any other blessings that God endowed man with? If you, if you were to go through your life and not understand why you are here, would you struggle with that? Mankind struggles a lot of times with understanding what his mission is. What is my purpose here on earth? That's one of the big, big three questions that people ask. Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? God didn't leave man without that blessing from the beginning. We've already seen that God told man in, in chapter 1 that he was to be fruitful and to multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it, to have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds there, over the, the creeping things. God gave man a mission. We've talked about the priestly. God gave him, God, God, God gave him responsibilities to oversee the world, 
like a shepherd king, right? To be a steward over God's creation. And to glorify God through his creation. To manifest God's perfection in creation. How do we know that? Look at chapter 2 and look what God told man to do. Um, Let me find the verse here. Verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. God had given man a mission. He'd say, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. I want you to fill the earth. I want you to subdue it. I want you to have dominion. And here's how you do it. You see this a lot of times in, in, corporate, in corporate settings where people, the co- company has a mission and has a vision. The mission is where we're going. The vision is how you get there, right? How are we going to get there? And God says, here's your vision. Tend it. That means to cultivate it, to, to bring out its beauty. You think about how man has cultivated nature throughout history. Um, when I was growing up, we had a Jersey cow. You know, Jersey cows have not existed forever. Man cultivated the Jersey breed. We have a Weimaraner dog right now. Man has cultivated that, that breed to bring it out of creation. God intended for that to happen. But if you turn the Jersey cow back out with a herd of cattle, or you turn the dog back out with a pack of wild dogs, you know what won't happen? You're not going to have Jersey cows anymore. And you're not going to have Weimaraner dogs. Because that's man's tending to God's creation. But not only was he to tend it, not only was he to shepherd it, but he was to keep it. He was to protect it. That's a, that's a kingly role, right? To maintain it. To keep it viable. To have stewardship over it. And so God gives man a mission and a vision. We have a responsibility to the creation of God, basically what we see here. And what we, what one of the things we need to understand is those are coupled with life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. How do you have life? How do you have liberty? How do you have pursuit of happiness? It is when you honor the blessings that God's given you, included in your mission and your vision. And we also see that not only did God give man a mission and a vision, but he gave him the resources to complete this mission. You go back to chapter 1, verse 29, and you see that God gave every herb, of the field and the trees that had fruit on them he gave them to them for man to eat if you want to complete the mission if you got the vision and you don't have the resources you're not going to be able to be successful and so God gave man the resources to be able to complete his mission he gave him the, the herbs of the field the fruit of the, of the trees he put man in a very uh, advantageous situation and he also um He's a helper. Now, all along through, I've been talking about he. But when I talk about mankind, we're talking about the race. We're talking about the peoples that make up mankind. And God gave man, he gave Adam a helper comparable to him. Look at verse, uh, chapter, chapter 2, verse um, 20. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. 
And he slept, and he took of his ribs, and closed up the flesh in its place. And then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made it to a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of a man. And then Moses adds this statement in there. This is not Adam speaking, but this is God through Moses saying, Therefore man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. What you see there is man... God completes man. There is a completion that comes in the harmony that exists between a man and a woman. There is a, there's a complementariness to men and women. Husbands, I don't know if, I, I, I think you'll agree with me about this, but I appreciate the complementariness of my wife. I appreciate the fact that God created her for me. He created her complementary to me, which means that she offsets my weaknesses. And I offset her weaknesses, and we together are better than we would be separate. And we, do, we, we are better than the addition of ourselves. Two plus two does not equal four in this situation. It's bigger than that. There's a term called synergy that comes out of this. There's a, there's a great... Uh, infusion of there's an exponential infusion of blessings that come from the connection that God made here when he created men and women to be compatible and comparable with each other and so we see that God in addition to giving man life liberty and the pursuit of happiness, he blessed man with a mission he blessed man with a vision he gave him the resources to complete that mission and vision and he made him whole and again we can go back to the idea of perfection when God got to the end of the, of, the, of the creation week, you remember what Genesis 1, the very end of the Genesis 1 says? If you forget, turn back there with me because I don't want us to miss this. Verse 31, Then God saw everything that he made, and indeed it was very good. God blessed us with life and liberty. Pursuit of happiness, mission, vision, resources. He made us whole and he put us in a realm of perfection. But that's not it. God blessed us with additional blessings that sometimes we don't see as blessings. Are there things sometimes that maybe the Bible says are blessings, but we don't see them as blessings? God gave man restrictions. He gave man laws to govern, to bound him. And we need to be very clear on that. These are good things. Why did God give man law? For his good. Because God, in his infinite, in his infinite wisdom, he knows what's good for man and what's not good for man. He knows what's, what's right for man and he knows what can be, can be destructive. And so God then would give laws to mankind. You look back at chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 29. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, you shall have to, to you, it shall be for food. At this point in time, in the beginning, you know what God did not give man to eat? He didn't give him a porterhouse. This afternoon, we're going to enjoy some some pulled pork and some sliced pork loin and, and there's a lot of things that we're going to eat that Adam couldn't have been partaker of because God placed bounds on 
his diet. Now we'll see after the flood, God's going to change that. God has that prerogative to change that, that restriction. But in the beginning, God gave man a law. He also gave man a law when he said, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. That was not just a blessing of, of, of a mission, but it was also a, a, a requirement for man to be fruitful and to multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it. There was a responsibility that came with the blessing. Sometimes we don't see those as blessings, though. We have a society today that increasingly encourages people to not work. To not do things that, that God has intended man for, for man to do. And so then we ask the question, are we then limiting the ability to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Now God here is going to not only set a law, but he's going to set some limits. He's going to set some limits for man as well. In 2.17 we see uh, uh, God a continuation of this law here. Verse 16, I should have put verse 16 on there. Um, and the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden you may freely eat but listen of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for the day that you eat of it you shall surely die God put a law here in place he said listen you can eat of any tree of the garden now one of the things he doesn't mention there but we know is already there is the tree of life's there and God said, you can eat from the tree of life all you want to. You can eat from all these other trees. You can eat all the fruit of the garden. But there's one tree that you are not to eat of. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the day you eat of it, you will surely die. What does that mean? You forfeit, you forfeit your blessings, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, imperfection in the garden. Inalienable? No. These blessings come with they come, they come with a, a responsibility, right? They come with the need to be compliant to the will of God, to obey God and to do what He's commanded us to do. So you, then you jump over to chapter 3 and you read about the transgression that takes place there. The serpent appears to Eve and he says to her... Um, Verse, verse 1 there. Has God indeed said you should not eat of every tree of the garden? And we could spend the whole lesson talking about what took place here. But we see the, the, the devil here. We know this from back in Revelation chapter 12 and chapter 20. This is the devil working to tempt Eve. He first, he questions God's authority. And he lies about what God said. And the long and the short of it is Eve is deceived by this temptation she takes the fruit, she eats it, she gives it to Adam. What did they do? They forfeited. They gave up that perfection. They gave up the, 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 the life that God had planned for them. They gave up the liberties that they had. You know, they were living in a state in the garden in which they didn't know the consequences of sin. That's really what they gave up when they ate of the tree of knowledge. They knew the difference between right and wrong because God told them don't eat of the tree. And Eve recited that back to Satan. She knew that it was something they weren't supposed to do. But they had never experienced the consequences of sin. And they gave that up. And in exchange for this perfection, you know what they took on? The slavery of sin. And they extended death to all mankind. 
Everybody who draws breath in this life, save Enoch and Elijah, is going to see the grave. Even our Savior, even Jesus Christ, went into the grave. And so you see that this idea of being inalienable doesn't extend to God. God blesses us with blessings, and he reserves the right to retain those blessings if we don't comply with his will. If we don't understand what God's mission is for us, we're going to struggle. Now, God gives a way of reconciliation. You get to the end of chapter 3, and you see what God did there was he, man and woman were naked there. And God takes animal skins and he makes them clothing. He makes a way where they don't have to be ashamed. You get over to chapter 4 and you see the interaction that takes place with, between God and Adam, or excuse me, God and Abel and Cain. And you remember in chapter 4 that they both, Cain was a farmer and Abel was a shepherd. And they both, both brought sacrifices to God. Why did they bring those sacrifices to God? It's because God had prepared a way to reconcile man to himself. And it was going to be through the sacrificial offering of, of blood. Cain didn't understand that. He didn't, he didn't recognize that. He didn't comply with it. And God had respect for Abel's sacrifice, but he didn't have respect for Cain's because, because of the way it was offered and because of the means in which it was offered. God offers reconciliation. And we'll talk a little bit about that more in a minute. But God even offers a way that man could be restored back to his level, a certain level of, of perfection, to a certain level of the life and the liberty and the pursuit of happiness that he had in the garden. And yet man continues to rebel. This is, I, I do want to read this. Listen to, listen to the interaction between God and Cain leading up to the murder of his brother. Genesis chapter 4, verse 6. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. God provided a way that Cain could be accepted if he would submit to God's plan. If he would not give in to sin... God had a way for him to continue to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. To have those blessings. And we know how the story ends. We've, we've read this story before, right? Cain and Abel were out in the field. And Cain rises up and he kills his brother Abel. Man rebels against God. And one of the things we've learned from all this is we've learned that God's blessings are integral to each other. They're inseparable. You can't just pick and choose the blessings that you want. Now our founding fathers, when they created this country, they recognized these truths. They recognized and they called them rights. They said these are inalienable rights. The life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But you can't have life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness without having the other blessings of God. And that's one of the things that our country struggles with today. We love the idea of life, right? Unless it's not my life. You take the worst, the mo uh, 
you take the most the most passionate atheist and when you put a gun to their head they know it's wrong they know the value of their life and yet we devalue so many lives in this country the lives of the unborn the lives of the sick the lives of the, the of the old we we fail to recognize the true meaning of life we fail to recognize the true meaning of liberty Liberty doesn't mean that we can just do anything we want at any time. Liberty comes with restrictions. It comes with law. It comes with limits. And so we have to honor those limits. We have to recognize those limits. We have to live within those limits. The pursuit of happiness doesn't mean that I can do whatever I want to do to make myself laugh. True happiness comes when we honor the principles of God, when we honor all of the blessings that God's given us. So in closing, I want to turn over to the scripture reading that William read for us, and I want to see what gives man true happiness. Is it being able to do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it? Is, is life simply the fact that I get to live and, I, and then, and then I, I don't care about you? Is liberty that idea that I can just... I'm free to do whatever I want to do. Listen to how the psalmist describes the, the truly beneficial life, the truly blessed life, the life that, that really our founding fathers, I believe, have in mind when they talked about the idea that our Creator has endowed us with unalienable rights, that is, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Listen to how the psalmist describes that. Psalm chapter 20, beginning in verse 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. What you really see is you can't enjoy life. We can't enjoy liberty. We can't pursue happiness without honoring the principles of God. Honoring His law. Honoring His statutes. Living by His judgments. Restrained by the fear of God. Now that's, you know, sometimes we think about fear as being, uh, but this is a healthy respect for who God is as the creator of the universe. You think about all these, these different ways of stating that we are blessed when we honor God. When we, when we truly want life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, we've got to pursue the other blessings of God that we saw in the book of Genesis. We've got to pursue our mission. We've got to understand what our vision is. We've got to understand God gives us resources that he makes us whole. When we live in accordance with God, we are, we're doing the best in an environment that is imperfect to strive for God's perfection. That's how the psalmist ends this passage. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Do you want to pursue happiness? Pursue the blessings of God through, these, through his ordinances, through his laws, through his commandments. Yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. 
And in keeping them, there is great reward. When we deal with mankind, and, and this, is the, this is one way in which the founding fathers intended this to be understood. When we deal with each other, we have certain inalienable rights. I have the right to liberty. I have the right to life. I have the right to pursue happiness in view of you. But when it comes to our relationship with God, we need to understand that those are blessings that come from God and they can be removed at any time. God has the right. He has the authority. And sometimes, from a certain perspective, he has the responsibility to limit life, to limit liberty, to limit the pursuit of happiness, and to, to restrain them in view of our observation, our, our honoring of his other blessings to come. This country has experienced great blessings throughout its history. And it's been a blessing to the world. And a lot of it has come not just because we've pursued life, liberty, and happiness, but we have also pursued the, the basic principle of God, honesty and integrity. That means I have within myself a character that holds myself to a higher a higher level, morality, self-respect, mutual respect, respect for your property and your respect for my property, courage, duty, that idea of responsibility, that I have a responsibility to, to something and something bigger than myself, sacrifice and service, courage. You think about all these principles that come from God. These are what make have made America a shining pillar, a shining light in the world. And at the same time, we see countries who fail to recognize these principles. When they fail to honor these principles of God, it doesn't matter about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. When you don't honor the principles of God, you're going to fail. And so we, as, as, as the people of God, have a responsibility to not just pursue life and liberty and happiness, but to pursue the things that make for peace with God, to pursue His commandments, His statutes, His ordinance, and to teach them to other people. Let other people know that if we want life, if we want liberty, if we want to continue to be able to pursue happiness, it comes with our recognition, first off, who God is and what authority He has in our lives. That's what our role is. Uh, God's blessings are not rights before Him. They're they're that what they are. They're blessings that God has endowed us with because He loves us. And He wants our good, but He wants it to come in the way in which He requires it. He wants it to come with responsibility, with purpose, with, with restraint. And if we let go of one of them, we let go of all of them. We can't have life without liberty and pursuit of happiness, without mission, vision. We have to have them all together. That's the, that's the blessing that comes from honoring God. This country has been, like I said, been a great source of goodness. And it could be that again. But we've got to be the people to stand up and to lead by example. Have you enjoyed the blessings of God's salvation? That's another great blessing that, that God has. We talked about that idea of reconciliation in that, in that blessing of reconciliation, there comes the blessing of salvation. And that comes through Jesus Christ. God sent His Son, His only Son, to die on the cross 
to redeem man and to restore that relationship that once existed in the garden and will exist in the garden again. But we've got to be partakers of it in this life. If we want to have true life, if we want to have true liberty, if we want to have true happiness, it only comes in Jesus Christ. Have you obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you understand that he died on the cross for your sins? Do you understand that you need to confess your faith in him to turn away from sin and repentance, to be washed in the waters of baptism? When you rise up that new creature, you're going to be a part of the family of God. And you're going to be set free. We're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. To be free indeed. That's what true liberty is. To be set free from sin. Have you experienced that? If you have, I want to encourage you today to obey the gospel. I want to encourage you to do what you need to do to be a part of the body of Christ. We're going to sing an invitation song. And if you have a need, please make it known. If you don't feel comfortable coming to the front, come talk to me after. But don't leave here today apart from the body of Christ. Let's stand and sing. Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. For more information about our church family, please visit our Bradleyville Church of Christ Facebook page. We hope to see you soon. Till then, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We hope you have a good day.